Welcome to episode seven of In the Lamplight. <laughs> Luke's happy about it by the sounds of it. Well, welcome, Luke. Yeah, it's great to have you in such good spirits. And welcome, Rory. Um, wow. Lads, I'm going to take you back to 1979, before oh, yeah. before any of us were born. Oh, yeah. I'm, deli- I'm delighted to say, yeah. And uh, even you, Karen. Even me, Luke. This is before right. I was born. It's the it's the UNESCO designated Year of the Child. And Calera Dramatic Society, I'm not going to give any one individual credit in case I cause a row, but the society decide to put on a child-friendly show called a pantomime. Director Maureen Carroll asked this week's guest, Brian Devaney, to play the part of the Panto Dame, a female character played by a male actor in drag. Now, he wasn't sure at the time, as he tells us later on. Uh, he was a prominent soccer and Gaelic football player in Sligo, and this wouldn't have done too much for his hard man image on the pitch, but he said yes. 41 years later, and he has played the same role in almost every show since. He has made it his own and is a huge part of the reason why these tickets are the hottest tickets in town. It sells out for almost three weeks each December, which means by my rough maths, including dress rehearsals, that Brian Devaney has spent over three years of his adult life dressed as a woman. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> oh my God, that's yeah. unreal. All, <laughs> brilliant. All from saying yes that one time. And so just before we get into the, the, the interview or the chat with Brian, like, has there ever been a yes that has had such consequences to a man's life? You Jesus, know, this Kieran, and you were moaning last week about someone giving your finger a wee twist in the football pitch. You imagine the abuse Brian Devaney got when he went back out in the football pitch after dressing as a woman on the stage. Exactly, exactly. I know. So, but what, I don't know. Can you do you think of anything, lads? I mean, it does. If it's from your own life, great. If not, that when when you said yes to something and you just. And, and and like the consequences were just so much bigger than you could have ever imagined. Rory, are you are you hopping to get in there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if my I don't know if mine is like um, as as heartwarming as that. I, I do remember. Like, and it's funny you'd say that because I often think about that yes theory. You know, saying yes to things and hmm. and and seeing how it goes. And uh, I suppose I have one that kind of I harp back to all the time. Right. So I'll tell it. Um, and I'll, I'll see what she make of it. You can tell me at the end, right? Right. So in about 2013 or 14, I'd say it was about, I was about 20 years old and my grandfather unexpectedly passed away. Hmm. But he was the sole carer for my grandmother at the time. And she had uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. So there was this big kind of rush around the family, like, oh my God, how are we going to look after her? You know, like, what hmm. will we do? And then there was the decision hmm. to be made as to whether uh, we would uh, help her into full-time care in in a home or if we would try and look after her in her own home. And this conversation went on for ages and her three kids, my two uncles and my mum, they, they really wanted to look after her, but... They were weighing it up, I suppose, against life. They had they had um, mortgages and kids and careers and that stuff. And I remember my mum saying to me, because at the time I was 21, 20 or 21, hadn't really done a whole pile, hadn't picked a career yet, was just tipping, tipping along. And uh, she just said, Rory, would you would you consider maybe because it wasn't such it wasn't a huge impact on my life to, to step out of the job. I was only working part time in a bar and. You know, it wasn't a big career thing. So she said, would you mind uh, if uh, 
if, if you gave it a go. So I thought about it for right. a few days and I, and I wanted to. Uh, and she did say to me, like, obviously no pressure, but, you know, like she had just thought it. I had I'd been in the Order of Malta, which is a voluntary ambulance corps. I had a, a level five in pre-nursing. And I think you that were was in the pre- Order of Malta. Still am, boy. Really? Still, still am, lads. There you go. It's an <laughs> education every week. Huh? Every week there's something, lads. Every there's week always, is right. Always something. Yeah. Go on, Rory, go on. This so is anyway, great. so I had a little bit of a medical, like a very light medical background. So that was playing in mum's head. And she said to me, would you mind? And I said, right, okay, maybe. So I made the decision a couple of days later that I would. I'd give it a go, but under the pretense that I'd give it a go for like two weeks. And then after that, if I wasn't good at it, or if my uh, granny wasn't happy or something, that we'd, we'd look at a different thing. And mum said, yeah, okay. And the, my uncle said, yeah, absolutely. So I moved in. I moved in. And life looking after somebody with dementia uh, can be monotonous enough because you're, you're, you're dealing with them, with, with, with their routine, you know. So, so you get up at the same time every day and you have similar things for breakfast every day, etc. But every now and again, my granny would watch kind of, I don't know, telly or something like that. And I'd get half an hour or 40 minutes on my own. Mm. And my grandfather had a closet in his house. And in that closet was all his little knickknacks. He loved little knick and how things worked. But he was also a keen photographer. Mm. And one day when I was sorting through his stuff and looking at his stuff, kind of looking back on all the things he had talked to us when we were kids, I found a camera of his. And it sparked, uh, like, I don't know, it sparked something in me. I said, he had a little note inside the case and he had taken the camera apart and had a detailed list of uh, what made up the camera. And, and inside was also a photograph. And it was a photograph of my mum and, and, and my two uncles, which were his three kids. So I went up into the attic and I found, um, I found a, a, a photo album for anyone under the age of 18, a photo album is how you <laughs> used to keep photos. Yeah. Um, there was no Facebook or Instagram. So I found these photo albums and he was really good. And I was looking through them and I thought, wow. And up at, to that point, I had a little bit of an interest in photography, but I had kind of let it go. I had let it drift to the side. And then through finding that camera and then through finding um, the photo album, I looked for a camera myself and that was... One of the first, that was I, what I attribute to my first camera. The one I bought after that was the one that really started one of the careers that I do now. Mm. And that camera that I found, it's actually on my Instagram. I looked at my Instagram page. It's, it's one of the first Instagram uh, posts that I posted was a picture of his uh, camera on the ground. And um, so when, uh, long story short, that's, that's how I got really back into cameras. But when I was moving house, then uh, was, my grandmother passed away as, as always the result with uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. She passed away. So I was moving back out of that house. And my uncle said to me, would you like to take the camera? And I didn't want to take it because I was moving and it might get put in a box, it might get broken. I said, will you look after it for me? Hmm. So then a couple of years passed and he said, Rory, are you ever come, coming to take this camera? Yeah. And I said, and at this stage now, I have worked professionally as a photographer. I've worked professionally as a cinematographer. I've a lot of my life and my passions uh, de- have developed around cameras. And it all stemmed from that moment. So I went over to my uncle's house just before the first COVID uh, cl- uh, lockdown happened and, and the illness took over Ireland. I went over to my uncle's house. He said, are you, I think it was one of his kids' birthdays or something. And he said to me, are you ever going to take that camera? And I saw... That his two kids and I actually saw one of them looking up at the camera and I decided to leave it there because I, and I'm not sure what I believe in, but I kind of think that that might've been a gift that 
passion about filmmaking and photography might have been a gift. I don't know. Maybe it was. But that camera has done all it's going to do for me now. It started me in what I do now. And maybe one of them little ones in my uncle's house might look at it someday and it might start something in them. So from saying yes to looking after my grandmother, I got one of the greatest passions that I've ever had in my life. Wow. That's an amazing story. That's unreal. <laughs> that is, and, and I huge respect to you for taking on, you know, caring for somebody like that. At, what did you say, 2013? Uh, 2013, I was about 20 or 21. I like, don't know that's if that, a that, huge thing to take sense. on at, at, <laughs> at that age, really. That's a, so, yeah, serious respect for that. But, well, that's a great story. I, I, I loved every bit of it, Luke, in fairness, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was about to ask about the rest of the time with your granny. Like, how, you know, did, did, you, how, did you stay up until she, she passed away? Or, or you know, were you, were you there for a few weeks? Or how, how did it go apart from the camera story? Yeah, well, so when my grandfather passed away um, and we didn't actually have someone to stay with my granny that night and right up until his, um, right up until he got uh until he got buried. We didn't have anyone to stay with my granny. So we brought her into St. John's, which is a nursing home in Sligo Town, for anyone that doesn't know. And she was just really upset. Um, and I said to her, I said, I, I won't leave you here, Nana. I, I will find somewhere for you. Hmm. And it's very rare sometimes to get lucidity in somebody that is, that's really uh, struggling with dementia and Alzheimer's. But I definitely got a lucid moment from her. Um and that lucid moment was, I think she remembered all through the time that I did stay with her. I think she remembered that I told her that I wouldn't leave, that I, I would take her home, you know. Okay. Um, and so my time with her was was something I, th I don't think I'll ever forget in my life. Um, you kind of lose somebody when, when they have Alzheimer's. But I got, I had moments with her for, I stayed with her for a year and two months. Um, and... I now that she, now that she's gone and now that my grandfather's gone and stuff, it's one of the most precious years of my life because I didn't lose anything. If anything, mm. I gained everything from that. Um, it was for a lot of people will have realized in COVID throughout the COVID lockdowns that when you slow down and take away work and take away pints with the boys and take away all that, you start to focus in on things that are really important to you. Mm. And I got to do that in 2013. I got to figure out what I really wanted to do. So I got the gift. This is the thing, without being too sentimental, I got the gift of what I love doing, my passion for cameras and photography. I got that from my grandfather. Uh, and I got a gift of slowing down uh, and, real, and figuring out what I really wanted to do. I got that from my granny. And I got it all in one year. So I think rather than it being a sad story, it's a really nice story. It made me who I am. It's an amazing Beautiful. story. Beautiful. I'm just gonna <laughs> Luke, I, I'm sorry, man. Um, I mean, I'm going to ask you, uh, have you a story in this regard? But I mean, can, what? can you compare to that? Or can you what get near that story? Point? Why didn't you ask me first? Yeah. <laughs> what, am I, what am I supposed to say after that now? Uh, I don't, yeah. I actually don't have anything. I'm not even going to go there because there's just yeah. no point. Yeah. I can't possibly top that. Rory, that is an absolutely amazing story. Beautiful. It's my only good story, lads. Beautiful. It's, it's the only good one. So. <laughs> That's grand. I'll, I'll never get uh, upstaged by you again. That's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, next, the, next time, 
But the next time you have something uh, to ask us there, Cairn, you're asking me first. I'm asking you first. <laughs> Sound, Luke. No problem. No problem. Right. Well, look, uh, the only man who can possibly compare to uh, to those consequences Rory just mentioned of saying yes to a question is our guest today. Um, as I said earlier, uh, he said yes to Maureen Carroll in 1979, agreed to be the pantomime dame. Uh, and it's, it's become such a huge part of his legacy, of who he is, of his contribution to this town. Um, he's our first guest, lads, who isn't primarily known as being a musician. You know, yeah. we, I thought I think we all thought before season one started that it'd be nice to try this and to have somebody in that wasn't, you know, uh, as I say, primarily known as a musician. Um, and you know, Brian does perform for us. I'm not. We didn't let him off the hook that easily. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we had a great chat about pantomime, about drama, about his life in Sligo, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Brian Devaney, you are very welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kieran Quinn. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out here. You're welcome. Um, so uh, this show uh, will be going out in December, uh, and so for for any listeners who would often be in the Hawkswell at the Christmas pantomime in December, uh, they won't be this year, unfortunately. But they get to hear you here, Brian, instead. So uh, how, how will December be for you? Do you think how will this month be for you? Well, it's been uh, pretty strange already so yeah, far. Yeah. We will be right in the middle of rehearsals now at this stage. And it's um, it's it's sad, but unfortunately that's the way it has to be. It's just not possible to do anything. Um, it's different. Uh, we miss it. It's a, 42 years is a long time to be together. We're together longer. In fact, we were four or five years on the road before we started Panto. So there's one big happy family there behind the Panto every year. And yeah. we miss those people or friends. Yeah. We miss the contact like everybody does. Yeah. So it's different already. Yeah. yeah. And it's certainly going to be different in December when it would be on because uh, we get, you know, we, we we do our best to entertain people, but we certainly have fun ourselves in doing so. And there's great camaraderie and great fun backstage as well as on stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, if you add it up, like, you know, it's 42 pantomimes, you know, however many shows a year, it's a significant yes. part of your life. It's huge. Every it's huge. year, you know, uh, as you know, let alone, you know, let alone the rehearsals, but yes. even the on show, the on stage bit. Absolutely. Two, three yes. weeks every year. That's right. Yes. And, and yes. it takes over. Absolutely. We yeah. were up at 22 shows uh, back a few years ago and we did cut back a bit, back to, down to 16 now at this stage, but still 16, it's over three weeks. So it's, it can be pretty hectic. You know, in times gone by when you were busy at work, it was very difficult. You, there were nights when you go straight from work to the Hawkswell and pretty tired, but you still had to put your best foot forward and yeah. smile and go out and try and do your best. But it's, it's easy when you have the audience with you and you nearly know as soon as you go out on stage if you have them with you or not. But I've seen you, Brian, like, you know, I, I, I the last, whatever, 12, 15 years I've been involved and I've been sitting, sitting, watching ye in front with the, with the audience behind me, looking up at the stage uh, to the panto. And, uh, you know, there'd be nights where I would feel from the word go that, that it's a quiet audience. Yes, yes. And you'd, you'd feel it too from yes. the wings. You'd know this. You're, you're very good at reading audiences. Yes. And you work damn hard to get them onto, onto, yes. onto our side. Yes. I've seen you really, really work them. Yes, it can uh, be difficult, yeah. Karen. It can indeed, yeah. Yeah. You get the vibes nearly straight away when you come out. 
And uh, so that's why we tried over the years to have something reasonably spectacular. It's not that it's not that easy in the Hawks while you're limited enough space-wise to do something spectacular like coming in from the balcony or coming in on an animal or something silly like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. has <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 got a, a full African uh, elephant in from yeah. the wings. Well, <laughs> we did, Rory, we did, we did yeah. have a donkey. You know, <laughs> we did have a, a live yeah. donkey one year. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, chat to, we'll chat to Marie. We'll, we'll say um, when they're doing the renovations that we need to make a bit more space because Brian wants to ride into the stage uh, on, yeah. on a giraffe or an elephant. But go back to that, Kieran, what you were saying about you might find an audience is quiet and it's usually maybe a Friday night or Thursday night coming towards the end of the week when people are getting tired anyway and young, young kids out with them and all that it's not easy mm. but uh, you'll find that they enjoy it as much as any, everybody else the, other, the ones that are get going from the start True. you know you'd be surprised what would surprise me is people will come up to you after saying a great show a brilliant show even yeah. though we might have thought it wasn't yeah. you know yeah. and we might think it's coming from ourselves that we're not enthusiastic enough about it from the start you yeah. know yeah. but usually if, as you know if you have a good open chorus number it really gets gets the kids going and gets yeah. the parents going yeah Brian just, do you feel a certain amount of pressure in the pan given that it is a staple for a lot of people's Christmas and a lot of people's winter. Yes. Do you feel a lot of pressure when it comes to performing and making sure that each show is as good as the last and as good as last year and the year before that? Does that cross your mind or do you have to put that to the back of your head? It does. It does. It does. And when you when you have you feel like you've done a good show and it was a good year, you think, well, how are we going to how what are we going to do next year? And it's amazing. And we're doing, like, there are only a certain number of uh, traditional pantos, maybe 10 or 12 of the traditional ones. So the fact we've done 40, we've done some of them three times. Yes. And you, you just have no choice but to repeat them because there aren't enough for the minute. Yes. But it's amazing how they work, even with the old scripts. You know, if you're, you, you, you have to work hard um, to up it from last year or try and be at least as good as it was last year and when I say good I mean entertaining for people to make it interesting for the kids and exciting for the kids and exciting for the parents as well you have to try and strike a balance because lots of parents and grandparents are going to the show and have been from day one and in fact there's grandparents coming now that were in the show when we started yeah. you know so uh, you just have to um, work hard at it because this is the people who come to be entertained and we're there to put the show on, so you have to work hard on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you certainly do. And I'm, I'm going to come back to, to come back to that in a little while. But you are our first guest this series, Brian, who who's not a professional musician. Um, we we decided we'd try it. We'd ask somebody just to just to just to vary it up a bit. Um, who, who's not known for for their music necessarily? It was interesting. I was chatting a couple of people uh, earlier about you, and uh, my dad actually, he'd be a good friend of yours. He said. Uh, Brian must be one of the best known people in the whole county from the Panto, from his work where you were on the road for years, from the GAA. And he was saying, we often told him he should go into politics. He'd walk in. <laughs> did, you, did you ever think of that? No, I never no, did. Never <laughs> no, did. no. It's You're probably game, wise. A different game altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a difficult career. But I was, I was, I was mentioning about music. Um, as I say, it's not your profession, but you're, you're huge into music. I absolutely I, I, love music. I, yeah. And uh, no, there's no great background of music in her family at all. Um, I feel very sad about that. In fact, yeah. and I would have loved to be able to play guitar or piano, never took lessons. In fact, uh, Catherine, my wife, bought me a, a lovely guitar once upon a time 
And one of the kids who was uh, doing music in school borrowed it from me and it disappeared. Right. And I had my lessons got and all uh, and, and it never did it. Right. But anyway, I have regrets about that. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a singer, but I absolutely love music. You do. All forms yeah. of music. Yeah. And, um, and it's a lot of it is to do with people like you who are so professional. And it's, it's, uh, it rubs off on people when you see these people that are infectious about what they're doing and playing music. Luke Devaney is another fellow. I, I really admire that guy. Yeah. He's so versatile. Yeah. You know, the only thing I haven't, instrument I haven't seen him playing is the ukulele. Right, well, he'll, he'll, he'll get that out before we're finished today, yeah, Brian. There's one over there. There's the one over here. Oh, lovely. I love Tiny Tim and Tiptoe Through the Tulips yeah. when I was a child going to school. Very good. So we might hear that from Luke later on. You never know, you never know. But uh, no, it's fabulous for music. Uh, Everybody loves music. What sort of artist would you be into or what, who would you listen to or what sort of styles of music would you be, would you I be into? I listen to all sorts of stuff. Roy right. Orbison, Johnny Cash mainly. I absolutely love Johnny Cash. Yeah. And uh, any country and western type stuff, Irish or, or American or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 And pop, rock stuff as well. Yeah. All yeah. stuff. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen, Mark Knopfler, love yeah. him. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. Mark Knopfler. Yeah, it's yeah, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Fabulous Beautiful. guitar there was There was a song we, 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 we nearly did for the panto last year, Brian. Picking, there was, sticking. Oh, the Old Town Road. The old going to take my horse to the No, old no, 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 not that one, not that <laughs> no, one. Um, there was another one, Poverty Stricken. Oh, yeah. But, uh, Go on, give us the first of that one. Well, Mark Knopfler actually played with Chet, Chet Atkins, yes. who was a famous guitar player yeah, yeah. on that. And I probably, uh, Poverty Stricken, Poverty Stricken, but still I'm a sticking to the things that I know to be facts. One day it's feathers and the next day it's chicken while I'm picking my Yakety Yaks. Yeah. Everybody says that I never will get far keeping out of work by picking this guitar, living on a shoestring and putting off things like, like a, a shave and a haircut. Yeah. There we go. A little bit of Hill there. Oh, class, Brian. Actually, class, Mer- class, Knopfler class. played on that Benny Hill tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of them. Yeah, brilliant, 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 I'm brilliant. Not uh, exactly brilliant, but... No, it's lovely. No. <laughs> I love it. Before we go any further, and we, we've a lot of a lot of chat about drama. I know you're, you're, you've, you've done many sort of straighter plays yes, over the yes, years yes. as well. Um, yes. And obviously the panto. We'll come back to all that. But yes. um, myself and Luke learned a song today that we thought you might enjoy. This is yes. the first performance. You're going to perform some, some pieces later on the show. Okay. But for the first piece today, uh, myself and Luke, um, we put together this number. And uh, if you... Sure, if you enjoy it, sing along with or tap along or Good whatever man. you want. Thank you. You, you might recognise <laughs> it now. I have to admit, uh, Brian, I'm disappointed that you didn't arrive in in full dame uh, regalia. I'm sure. <laughs> I was expecting you to arrive in all dressed up and then to have to go into the bathroom and change 20 times well, yeah, during no. the podcast. No? Trying to make it play He got the action, he's got the motion Oh yeah, the boy can play 
dedication, he's got a devotion Starting all the night time into the day He did the song about the sweet loving woman He did the song about the knife He do the walk He do the walk of life mm -hmm. He do the walk of life Tell you a story, say hand me down my walking shoes. Here come Johnny's got the power and the glory, the backbeat, the talking blues. He got the action, he's got the motion. Oh yeah, the boy can play. Dedication, he's got devotion. Turning on the nighttime into the day. He do the song about the sweet loving woman. He do the song about the knife. He do the walk. He do the walk of our life. Into the walk of Here come Johnny singing oldies goldies Babaloo the baby what I say Here come Johnny singing phony Maroney He's down in the tunnel trying to make it play He got the action, he's got the motion Oh yeah, the boy can play Dedication, Brian, oh the night. Hey, you got the song about the sweet loving woman. You got the song about the knife. You do the walk. You do the walk of life. Yeah, you do the walk of life. Bit of more Mark Knopfler, yeah, lovely yes. stuff, Brian. That's one of your favourites. It certainly is. Yeah, it's it. a great number, yeah. Yeah, yeah great it's... number. So, I, uh, I've been on stage with you, maybe. I can just think of once, Brian, um, we did a play called Sive. That's right, yes. Um, yes. And I, I played a, a young fellow called Cartelon. Who, That's right. Who had a bower on and made up rhymes. Yes. That was, that, was as, that was as much as I did, but I was unbelievably lucky in that the one play I was in with Claire Dramatic yes. Society happened to be the play yes. that went to Chicago That's on right. tour. That's it was a famous trip. It certainly was. In yeah. 2007. 2007. Yes. Just after we won the Connick title, we had the, the Nestor Cup with us. That's remember? right, indeed, yeah. Over yeah. to Chicago. Yes. It's something for years that we had been planning to do or yeah. hoping to do yeah, yeah. was to travel to America particularly. And we had been putting money aside for it on an individual basis, people who were involved and the society mm. towards the cost of the trip. And uh, we, we, we arrived at it. We actually brought a set with us, the whole set. We shipped it out on it. 
It took weeks for it to get there. Yeah. And it took a lot of work getting it together and every little piece had to be itemised and marked. It was an incredible job. We, we had a great guy called Morris Power who's still involved with us. Morris did all that sort of work and organised the whole thing. So we shipped over the set and 32 of us went on the trip. And it was it was the trip of a lifetime yeah. for most people. But yeah. unfortunately for Catherine, my wife, and myself who were in the play, we were only there two days when her brother died suddenly. Yeah. And our brother that she was very close to was a young man, 52. So we had to come home, unfortunately. We did get the two shows over and uh, it was a lovely experience. And we, I absolutely loved Chicago as a result of it, even though we were only there for two days. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, yeah. fabulous, yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah. place. But yeah. the remainder of the 30 went on to have a ball for the next... 10 or 11 days. Indeed, indeed. And Kieran, uh, there yeah. was an Esther Cup, got, got great, you got a great welcome in Chicago. Oh, well, we all did, I think, you know. Yes. It was yes. a great memory for me, for sure. It was. Um, but, but I remember also that year was, uh, you know, was going around the festivals. Yes. And doing the festival indeed, circuit. Indeed. And that was a huge <gasps> part of your life for, for 10, 15 years. <clears throat> for years, we tried to avoid festivals and we felt that we were in this game for entertainment and for the fun and laughter and not for the serious side of the drama. So we battled about it within our own committee. From the from we started way back in 74, we would have up between 30 and 40 people on the committee every year. And there were a few people on the committee who were in favour of, of drama festivals and there were a few who were totally against it. And I was one of the ones initially that was totally against it. I felt we were in it for the fun and not for the mm. competition. Mm. But we, we said we'd dabble and try it one year, 1989 I think it was. And we did two festivals, Balnamore and Colony, and we absolutely loved it. Really, we absolutely loved it. And what we, was it about it? We got, we got it was everything about it. It was, it was mainly the critique from the adjudicator. We we thought at that stage in the game that we were all brilliant, which yeah. we, the first couple of years we got hammered on stage. Right, right. But he was, they were all very helpful yeah. in their criticisms, yeah. you know, and it gave us a love for the drama. And we got to know uh, groups, other groups around the country that we came up against. And we got to know lots of people involved in the different committees. In order to qualify for the finals in Athlone, you had to win three festivals, basically. And uh, that was difficult to do because you were up against all sorts of competition. In the early days, we're back in 1991, uh, we were in the lower division, if you like to call it. It was the confined, as distinct from the opens. And we got to the All-Ireland Finals three years in a row in the confined and eventually, on the third year, in 1993, we won it. Right. With a fantastic play called Whose Life Is It Anyway? And uh, the one with the patient in the John Banks yes, in the bed. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, great play. play. A Richard Dreyfuss film. Great play. Yes, yeah. based on a true story. An excellent play, and we got to the All-Ireland. We won the All-Ireland, actually, in, in Glenamady. And there were 11 others. There were 12 groups in the finals. And we went down to Glenamady to see the other 11 shows. Did you? Yes. Every one of them? I missed one. Did you? And the night I missed, Catherine took the jeep and brought Bobby and Roddy right. with her right. that night. So I was at the other te- 11, yeah, 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 including the one we were in. So you can imagine, we got to know the people in Glenamady very yeah. well as a result of that. So for a Being, man who didn't want to do festivals at all, absolutely. all of a sudden you're going yeah, to 11 yes. of the 12 shows yes. in the All-Ireland Finals. Indeed, yeah. indeed. But there's I, a lovely camaraderie to the festivals, though, when you do actually start to hang around them a bit and you know, yes. go for a, a, a pint with the other. Absolutely groups afterwards yes, and, and yes, stuff it absolutely. is a nice thing and as you say the adjudicators like it's very rare and I've never come away feeling like somebody was unfairly hammered absolutely you get a good yes. fair critique and it's open and honest but it's not to it's not to tear you down absolutely you know, yes yes, so yes. There's, there's value in yes. that absolutely we learned so much from it that's what I felt after a couple of years listen to these guys the professionals 
and they really brought us back down to earth initially. And then we, we started to improve as a result of it. From going to festivals, we did it for 25 years, in fact. Was that long, right? Yes, okay. indeed. Okay. It was tough work, really tough work. Because you were, you were like, you were first up loading the set from yes, the hall into absolutely. the van, driving it down, yes. and you were the last man home then after absolutely. unloading the whole thing. And the 25 years that we did it, I drove the truck uh, to every one of them. Right. Did never miss one of them. Right. And there were some great stories around that. We yeah. had a famous truck once upon a time. We were on our way to, um, to Galway. The only time ever we played in the Tyveark. Galway and uh, we were the truck broke down near Knock right. and we knew the engine was a bit dodgy yeah. but uh, it broke down anyway okay. so we got guys up from college that couldn't fix it so we limped on and we got a guy towed us with a tractor into uh, Clare Morris right. and uh, we got on to we got on to our suppliers and they came up with a truck a big 40 foot kind of cold truck right. and it was lashing rain right. it was a Saturday Ireland were playing Wales and rugby right. and Bobby and myself and, <coughs> and the driver from Collies offloaded the full set from the truck that was engine had gone into this big monster of a truck and we arrived in Galway at half five and there was one one way street we had to go down with this 40 foot truck it was wow. incredible we'd right. stop traffic and everything yeah, yeah. to back down a one way street oh, to get in yeah. and uh, and then build the set and go on at eight o'clock and we did and uh, needless to say, we didn't do too well that night, but it was hectic. Yeah. And we missed the rugby match. We had all planned to have the set built and go for lunch about four, half three or four, yeah, yeah, to yeah. coincide with the match yeah. put on. And it was a big match against Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the radio wasn't even working in the old truck that we got. <laughs> so we missed the match completely. <laughs> the best laid plans. Yes. Have you have you a favourite play you've done in all the years, Brian? I have. How was yes. it? Yes, it was the Lonesome West. Okay. Yes. Was that when you and Stephen, yes. your brother Stephen, yes. played we were, two brothers? We were two brothers continuously, always fighting. Right. So it came naturally to yeah. both. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. good, yeah. yeah. And uh, what, what else about that play? What, we did, when we did it initially, it's the humour, the wit in it. Martin McDonough is incredible. Um, the humour, we didn't do it initially for festivals. We only did it for the local scene at Hawkswell. But something happened. I remember that some other play Bobby was thinking to do and didn't materialise. We decided we'd give it a shot on the festivals and we did extremely well and we got the Ireland final with it so we, we got four wins uh, out of five I think on the circuit wow. and unfortunately that year there were three Lonesome Wests in the All Ireland finals oh, right. so it's very unusual yeah. sometimes you get two players similar or in this case there was three of them so it was so a bit much for the audience in that loan yeah, so probably, probably none of the three won we did, yeah, no, so we did very well. Yeah. We came up in the top four or five, which was happy. We were happy enough. Yeah, yeah. brilliant, you brilliant, know? brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, going back to my memories of the festival circuit was was often afterwards you'd get your your, yes. your sandwiches and your cup of tea and maybe a pint before you headed home. Yes, and maybe a song, Indeed. maybe a party piece or two from some of the some of the oh, gang. God and I have a party piece that I did back in uh, 1989, I think, and it stuck with me ever since. Really? Which yeah. is that, Brian? And, and most of the drama people do just disappear when they hear me. Right. Well, this, maybe, maybe people listen to this show have never heard you do it. It's, it's, it's a, a, a version of a boy named Sue, was it? I'll try it. I can't sing. Will we try I that? can't dance. We'll try it. How did you learn this song? Or You said, you're, you said earlier you were a Johnny Cash fan. Yes, uh, yes. The words yes. seem to come very naturally to you. No, it's just from doing them over the years. Right. Pantomime time or play time or whatever. Yeah. It gets stuck in there. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. I'd probably forget half and now haven't said that. <laughs> well, look, we'll give it we'll a shot. We'll have a boy named Sue. boy named Sue. Well, <laughs> well, 
Well, my daddy left home when I was three And he didn't leave much to my ma and me Except this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze Well, I don't blame him cause he run and hid But the meanest thing that he ever did Was before he left, he went to name me Sue Now he must have thought that was quite a joke And it got a lot of laughs from a lot of folk Seems I had to fight my whole life through Well, some gal would giggle and I'd get red And some guy would laugh and I'd bust his head I tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue Well, I grew up quick and I grew up clean And my fists got hard and my wits got clean And I roamed from town to town to hide my shame And I made me a vow to the moon and stars That I'd search the honky-tonks and bars And kill the man that gave me that awful name Well, in Gettenberg in mid-July And I just hit town and my throat was dry I gotta stop and have myself a brew And there in a bar in the street of mud Sitting at a table dealing stood Sat the dirty mangy dog that named me Sue Well, I knew that sneak was my whole sweet dad From a worn-out picture that my mama had And I knew that scar in his cheek and his evil eye He was big and bent and ugly and old And I looked at him and my blood ran cold And I said, my name is Sue How do you do? Now you're gonna die, yeah That's what I told him Well, hit him hard right between the eyes And he went down, but to my surprise Came up with a knife and cut off a piece of my ear Then I busted a chair right across his teeth And he went through the wall and into the street A kicking and a galchin in the mud and the blood and the beer Well, I tell you, I fought tougher men But I really can't remember when He kicked like a mule and he bit like a crocodile But then he went for his gun and I pulled mine first And he sat there looking at me and he smiled He said, son, this world is rough And if a man's gonna make it, he's gotta be tough And I knew I wouldn't be there to help you along So I gave you that name and I said goodbye And I knew you'd have to get tough or die And it's that name that's helped to make you strong Well, I got all choked up and I threw down my gun I called him Paul and he called me son And I came away with a different point of view And I think about him every now and then Every time I laugh, every time I win And if I've ever got a son I'm going to name him Luke or Rory Anything but Sue oh. Hey. Oh, God, help us. Oh, great fun. There we go. Yeah. My name's Sue. All the words there, Brian. Fair oh, play. God, bless. Great crack. Yeah. <laughs> but, Kieran, you were asking about the drama, the straight drama there yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, one of the best plays ever we did was a, a two-hander, and it was called Duet for One. Yes, I remember it. And it was yeah, Roddy Quinn and mm. Mary McKinley, yeah. and it was an absolute cracker of a play. It was brilliant. The set was fantastic. The acting was brilliant. And to both of them in the All Ireland, they were both in lines for Best Actor and Best Actress Awards. And it was amazing that year, the, the group that did win it, there was uh, a group from Nace, I think it was, and uh, that won around them on, on, the, on the road to it. There were eight people in it. And the adjudicator said the fact he could hardly separate the duet from one from it, but he says there were eight people which were far more difficult to manage and to get eight performances on the board from two, and for that reason, he gave it to them. Wow. So there would have been all Ireland winners only for that. Wow, yeah. Fantastic play. Again, based on a true story about this famous cellist, 
She checked into prey, was her name, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, checked yeah, into prey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she had some sort of a condition, a medical condition, but it was really a brilliant play. Yeah, I remember it. I, I remember, remember seeing it. Was it in Straban? Was there, right, was there a festival been, in Straban? Yes, there was I indeed, think I travelled yeah. up there one yes. time to see that play. Yeah. yeah, we had our regular places that we always went to. Yeah. Straban was one of them. Yeah, Ballyshannon. So, Ballyshannon, Straban, Kilty Daher. Yeah. They were first on this, Tubber Curry. Yeah. Claire Morris. Glenamaddy. Glenamaddy. Yeah. Her favourite in Glenamaddy. <laughs> yeah. And in Glenamaddy, you probably remember, you were with us. Yeah. We stayed over. You yeah. lost your bow run, I think, there. On it. <laughs> I possibly did, You yeah. did indeed, yeah. <laughs> One that you'd got from the man up in Gertrude. That's uh, Junior Davey, who taught and, me who yeah. taught me how to play the I bow remember, run for I think that you, had show, to get, yeah. you had to get a bow, bow run somewhere else to get back to him or something. Yeah. Do we have yeah. a bow run? <laughs> Do we have it <laughs> in the studio? And say, Unfortunately, we don't. Yeah. But I think we'll, we'll arrange someone. I want to see Kieran playing the bow run now. Yeah, as do I. As do I. Yes. Brian, I have a I have a question for you. Um just when you mention um you know, Kieran mentioned all the words there, because that is a worthy yes. song. When he, I don't know whether this is something that Kieran was planning to touch on anyway, but uh when you come out on the stage yes. and you're doing panto and, and you come out and you go, How are you, John Mary Declan? Yes. And you you not only remember who's actually in the night, but you know where they're sitting. Right. And uh, are you cheating? How yeah. how do you do it? Have you got some kind of a cheat sheet or do you no. actually just remember <laughs> No, it, where no, everybody is. Those people that I met can mention and know where they're sitting, I get that information from somebody. So either the mother or the father of the kids or whatever, or a friend that's going or knows the people are going. And I do always ask them, can you tell, find out where they're sitting? Because if you can find out where they're sitting and they're talking directly to them, it's much better than talking down yeah. front of stage when these people are above the balcony. Well, it's seriously so, impressive. I mean, it's one thing to get get that information, but to actually be able to keep it in your head and remember it when you go out on stage while you're trying to deliver all your lines and all the rest yes. of the stuff you're supposed to be doing. Yes. Is, uh, well, the, the first thing incredible. you have to do is to be, you have to be true to the script too, because it's unfair on the other people on stage if you go off on a tangent. And normally I would try not to do that while there are other people on stage, because it's not fair, even though it happens quite a bit, that you're leaving them standing when there should be dialogue going on, they're interacting with the audience. But... If you get, if you, if I get time to go out on my own, I can do an awful lot with the audience, and I'm not taken from the other yeah. thing. But you, you have to know exactly when to come in and to come out. So you have to be very uh, aware of your lines in the script as well. Do you know, it's not as if people say you can ad lib away in your pantomime. You really need to know because it's unfair on anybody beside you if you don't know to give them the the, per, the right clue or cue when to come in. I think an audience does feel though that when they see something that goes a little bit wrong but in yes. a comic way yes. they feel like they're watching something unique that last yes. night didn't get to see and Indeed. tomorrow won't get to see yes. and I think there's kind of something a little bit special in that as well. Absolutely absolutely and you'll get away with mistakes certainly in Panto yes. you know. I and respect it uh, big time I did a, a musical a couple of years ago with a group called Pop-Up Theatre Yes, they did the full Monty the musical you know Right. and uh we were encouraged to ad lib in that uh, yes. a, li- a little bit just to try and make it more natural. Yes. But what ends up happening is you need to know the script so well that yes. if an ad lib happens, you need to just know where to get back. Yeah, to and how to get back, back yes. to it. So yes, it's almost yes. double the w- an ad lib adds so much work. So yes. when yes. you do a panto, it's almost like you need to know two scripts, but one of them is changing each night. Yes, which is indeed. amazing. Indeed, indeed, that's true. But um, you get to know enough of the people that are coming too because they're coming every year. You know, and I know the people are going to get cards from and letters from you, with their names on it. You, yes, that's what I was going to say. You get yes. cards and letters to your house yes. addressed to you in the, in the weeks and months leading up to the show. Absolutely. Wow. People saying, yes. Indeed, I'm coming yeah. on this night. Can you not, right, not forget yeah. my grandkids or not forget my children? Exactly. Or, yeah, it's exactly. amazing. Yes. The relationships you've built up over the years. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and to Luke's question on, on how you do it. I mean, if you, if you, if you ever go backstage during the show, 
Yes. Well, yeah, that's when the remotes were coming in. But, but you're there the with, with your sheet of paper and your yes. pen and you're spending a lot of time, yes. you know, working mm. on this, making sure you remember it. Now, he doesn't Indeed. go out with a cheat sheet, but he's done the work backstage. And to, do you do you go off like, you know, after a scene and kind of do a quick thought up for, for the next time you're going to go on? Oh, I so, do. So I you're do. working even when you go yes. off that stage. Yes. You're not yes. going back and have a relax in the dock till you come back on. No, you're no, absolutely. And if the, the, the further in advance you get names, the better. Like if I get people's names a week before, yeah. I know that next Sunday night, such and such a family, Luke Devaney's family are coming next on the night and you have kids' names and he can be thinking about them during the week. And that's, forget about that then because you have to deal with the ones that come in on the night and the most of them come in on the night. When people come in, they have notes to <laughs> people. Yeah. That's because you make it look so easy. People yeah. think yeah. they just have Yeah, that it's no bother like. Yes, but yeah. it's, 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 not a, it's not a big bother for people you know. A certain number of the people you will see yes. and you know them. And you know, you might see them at the very start when you have an opportunity and then you have to keep them in mind that they're there. And then there are people like the famous Sally Kelly, who's a legend. Oh, Sally has a, a unique laugh. Absolutely, and yeah. Everybody, <laughs> everybody loves Sally. Yeah. And everybody knows so Sally Every now. time she's there, the yes. show is just elevated yes. because she's, she's there. Yeah. She's a treasure, yeah. an yeah, absolute yeah, treasure. Yeah. And the beautiful laugh she has. And she yeah. always has a few of her friends with her. Yeah. But if you go out and you hear Sally Kelly, you're away in a hack. Yeah, you're, you're sorted. You're yeah. sorted. <laughs> yeah. the and there are other people, a few other people yeah. coming close to her yeah. now. Yeah. 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 But, uh, Speaking of... Um, my family and pantos and this is a story that my dad told me about a panto years ago and I'm just going to tell it because it ties into this being a musician's uh, mm. kind of a musician's podcast but um, this was when the pantos were still in the is the, the Bay Mount Bay Mount, Bay Mount. Yes. yeah so they were still out there um, so this is a good while ago James Blenner has it was in the uh, band yes and you came out and you spent the whole night going on about having lost something or something was missing. Right. Uh, we, we say it was your wallet. Okay. Uh, Jesus, I can't find my wallet. Have you seen my wallet? Have you seen my wallet? And you kept this, This you've just built this gag up throughout the whole show. Right. And then at the, near the end, you came out and you said, it's okay, I found it. James Blenner has it. <laughs> 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 yes, oh, um, brilliant, brilliant. James Brenner has it, and his dad Roland Brenner has it played in the orchestra right. way back in the Baymount days. And Carol Nielsen and his dad and his son Mickey Nielsen played yeah. as well. And then there was uh, Pat O'Mara and there was Emma McCall, Mickey Brennan, Mickey Brennan all yeah. the jazz lads, yeah. Terry Griffin, Richard Sherlock. And it was our famous sister, Mary Finan, who was there from day one. Maureen Carroll started Panto in, in Colera in 1997. 79. 79, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 79. Yeah. And it was Maureen's idea. Maureen came to Sligo from home, a school teacher, and she had background of musicals and of, of pantomime. And it being the year of the child, Maureen mentioned to a few of us and to Mary, sister Mary that she'd love to do something involving more people in the community in some sort of musical type thing. And she, the thought between them, then they come up with the idea of a pantomime. And Mary Finan was an inspirational character. She was unreal. Mm. For the first five years, she really, she gave us that enthusiasm and that, that love of the, of, the, of the panto and of the music. And uh, she was responsible more than anyone else for continuing. Okay. It was only supposed to be once off. Right. But it was so, there was 120 people involved from the parish between Ransborough and Strand Hill. Yeah. And it was a huge success. Yeah. And yeah. buses came from all over Connacht because there, had, there was no other panto in Connacht at the time. Amazing. And uh, Galway actually started up around the same time and Ren Moore, and they were still on the go too for a place of them. How did the role of Dame come about? Was that Maureen who asked you to do that? Or or how did that happen in the first place? Well, it was. We, we, we sat down with the committee and we had done a few plays before that. Yeah. And 
I didn't look. I wasn't looking forward to it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And and I got a bit of flack afterwards. You yeah. can imagine because yeah. we were in the that was back in the late seventies and the early eighties, and yeah. we were up to our neck in football at the time. Yeah. So yeah, you had to get yeah. an awful ribbon about yeah. this dressing up. And the, the football pitch, yeah, I can imagine. But anyway, it sort of it grew on me after that. Then and you got to, got typecast kind of and had to stick with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I mean I was never in the payment, but but. Um, Stephen, your brother tells a story of 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 one day where it was um it was it was snowing, yes, and you weren't sure whether the yes. show was was going to go ahead or not. Yes, eventually it did, yes. and he said the place was just packed, absolutely. And he remembers one yes. of the choruses, the the oh yes it is, yes. oh no it isn't, coming back from the audience. Yes, and he said the sheer volume, volume for, of it, yes. it, it nearly moved him, physically yes. moved him, just the force yes, of this indeed. of this sound. Yes, and he said he'd yes. never forget it. You know, do, absolutely. So it was obviously a success from day one. It was a huge success. Yeah. The first year was the snow. Yeah, and I remember Josie Devaney. Though Josie was hugely involved that time with building the set, the Baymount just had a little bandstand, and it was far too small for panto stuff. So we had to build the stage out and build it up with scaffold. The work was incredible. Mm. We were down there at four or five o'clock in the morning for a week beforehand, building the stage nice. and putting up curtains and putting doing all this and getting stuff yeah. sorted out backstage, but. We had to get in blowers, heaters. We hired them from Lad and Sligo here. Big blowers. And we had to turn them off during the show because of the noise of them. Right. You couldn't. The place was freezing. Yeah, yeah. And Josie went home and got a tractor for pull, to pull buses up the hill. Really? They couldn't get up the Burma Road. Right. Even the big hill was out of the question. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. they tried the Burma Road and he towed them up the Burma Road. The, 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 wow. the snow was that bad. Wow. A lot yeah. of problems solved by tractors in yeah. uh, back yeah, in the day. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. And the poor fellow, I remember Josie as well at that time. Josie got one of the, a beautiful new car. It was a CAD, C-E-A-D, cadet. Oh, yeah. And it was a CAD because it was only hundreds, hundreds of them made, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, And today the snow, when he was going down early, earlier in the day, they flip and crashed. Oh, in no. the snow and destroyed the flipping car. Oh, no. <laughs> it was brand new. So, speaking of vehicles, Brian, you mentioned earlier you've um, you've made an entrance on a donkey. Yes, God you, also, you also made an entrance on a on a motorbike one time. Is that right? In that the was a, no, in the Mercy. Actually. Oh, was that in the Mercy? Yeah, it was a little little miniature motorbike. Right. And uh, in the course of work, I came across this guy over in, in Tremor West yeah. that hired out these little things. Yeah. And it was a lovely little thing. There was a great noise of it. The noise of like a big motorbike. Yeah, yeah. And. The, we went to the Mercy in 94 and 95 because the Hawkswell was being, being done up. And we actually, we took all the sinks and the toilets out of the Hawkswell and transported them up to the Mercy and built them into porta cabins that we got from Dr. O'Connor. No way. <laughs> Jesus. That's <laughs> commitment for that's, sure. That and commitment. We, we tapped into the mains water supply in Sligo, in, coming into the Mercy convent with a whole pipe for the sinks and for the toilets. We put in about 12 toilets. It was incredible. And all that work had to be done. We, we had to get three porter cabins, two for changing rooms and uh, two for toilets. And we got Josie Devaney in again with his digger out to the football pitch at the back of the Mercy to dig a big hole in the ground. We got Richard Perks to be in a slurry spreader nice. and we plumbed all the toilets into the slurry spreader. Nice. And it was down in the hole. Yeah. And we thought it had we had my empty once or twice in the run. We were only doing, I think it was 10 shows because the Mercy was much yeah. bigger. And we built the stage on the side of the Mercy Hall. Not We didn't use the original stage. It was unreal, the amount of work. But the, the auditorium was so big, it was to make an entrance. It was ideal. You could 
to the, ride the motorbike round through the crowd. Lovely. And it worked brilliantly. And there was a spotlight on this motorbike. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. yeah. And, and smoke out of it as well. Brilliant. People were smothered with smoke <laughs> and noise. <laughs> Could you imagine the hoops of regulations you'd have to jump through today to do a thinking, oh, yeah. job with the toilets uh, like that? Yes. You'd have to have planned permission two years in Absolutely. advance to tap into yeah. I was thinking what that about the motorbike as well. Hi, can I get <laughs> insurance for uh, yeah, yes. God, our God. show? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there was a there was a chainsaw in here too, wasn't there? Oh, there was a chainsaw. Come back to the mercy. We yeah, thought yeah. Um, we had it all worked out yeah. that the uh, the tank, Richard's tank that we got we got from him, was able to take six hundred gallons. Right. And in each flush, there was two gallons. Okay. So after the first show, it was a matinee. We went out to check the tank and it was overflowing. Oh, jeez. After one oh, show. Oh, right, so right. there were 300 flushes <laughs> <laughs> for one show. So what we had to do then was do a little bit of manoeuvring on the tank at the bottom of it to let out some of the fluids out of it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it soaked away and it did the whole run. Oh, I said the growth, was, the growth was great on the pitch. The mercy <laughs> yeah, that year, yeah. it? Still, it still is. <laughs> to one spot over in the corner where the grass grows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, the, the the Baymount and the Mercy was huge workload because the the Hawks Well was a gift when it came. Of course, God yeah. bless us. Nineteen eighty two, yeah. we couldn't believe it. Yeah, to went to this place already. Dressing rooms, yeah. you know, curtains, yeah. lights, sound, everything. Yeah, 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 everything yeah. had to be built into the other place. Yeah. You know, and I remember one night talking about sound and this. The man, we had issues or problems, and he came into the dressing rooms. We were about to go on stage. He says. You have, I, I, go, I have to give you a choice. You can have lights or you can have sound, but you can't have both. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's exactly what you want to hear just before yeah. the show, isn't it? Yeah. Which did you go for? I think I went for the lights. Yeah. I think yeah. I went shouted it out there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Tell us about the chainsaw. Oh, it was a cut in a tree, actually. <laughs> a, a real chainsaw, serious stuff. And uh, This was on stage? On stage yeah, in the yeah. Hawkswell. Yeah. 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 And we used to make sure that with the sawdust, we'd be turned away from them. The solace was going out on top of you guys down below right. and out in the audience and everywhere. It was incredible. It was how we got when, away. When was that, Brian? Oh, it's, it's, it's well over 20 years ago, about 25 years ago. Like I was you, thinking, just, you just flat out couldn't do that. Uh, well, I, I've been in a show years. a couple of years ago where the plastic sword was too heavy of plastic so they had to get a lighter plastic oh, just in case yeah. yes. but we're talking 20 years ago where there's chainsaws Chains and motorbikes and Absolutely. bring us back to the days lads oh, yeah. Yeah. Way better. Yeah. did it have a dummy blade in it or was it no no real to real blade, <laughs> <laughs> real blade. Yeah, a real smoke real yeah. smoke yeah. And a real sawdust yeah. we actually in Lonesome West we use a shotgun and uh, <laughs> yeah, a real shotgun. Yeah. And this line of story this, will will end with him actually yeah. killing somebody on the stage. Yeah, you had a different different person for the part every night because you killed them. No. <laughs> <laughs> he shot the brother. We well, actually know I shot his cooker and broke two shotguns. Broke, uh, he absolutely, it cost a fortune. It cost uh, over three hundred to get them fixed. Right. I broke Josie's Devaney's shotgun. Right. Josie was good enough to give me a shotgun, and broke it. I was uh, the brother had his fixation with figurines. And I was determined to break his figurines and I started smashing them off the mantelpiece with the shotgun. And the stock, if you know the stock, broke off the gun and had to get sent away to be repaired. And then I borrowed one of George Lindsay. Right. And I said, George, I'll, I, I'll be very careful now. I'll make sure it won't happen. Yeah. The same thing happened. <laughs> <laughs> broke the flipping stock off the gun. I had to get it repaired as well. And you you swung in from the balcony one year, is another one, lads. We did. Fr- from the, yeah. On a rope. On a rope. From the balcony down to the stage. Yes. What? Yes. Yeah. 
than another one <laughs> yeah. over over the audience. Yeah, yeah. and he used to you know used to go over and back a couple of times <laughs> yeah, uh, to, for effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Swing <laughs> off the stage and go back and catch onto the wall in the balcony and chat a few people and then go off again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was lunacy. It yeah. sounds Absolutely. like great crack. Though. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And it was funny. It was funny. But if you were yeah. doing that today, you'd, you'd have to have make sure that uh, people for the f- seats four meters either side yes. of your flight path were free with Abs- nobody sitting on that's them. Right. And it, yes. It's just not in a million years. Yeah. Like, no, no, no yeah, that's for true. sure. Yes. There was a stunt actually in, in show in uh, public theaters last show in Chicago, uh, where uh, so Dowd had to drop back in an acrobat's hoop. You know, I remember that. Yes. But that took days and days of preparation, health and safety, and professionals, and you know, crash mats and practicing. And she had yeah. to go to tons of practices before. Hand and then all the yes. had to be checked. Imagine if you had to swing somebody across the audience. Yes. And when you say swing, like, were you attached to this thing or were no, you just holding it? Hold ah, no, <laughs> no, no, Brian, oh, yeah. I refuse yeah, yeah. to believe yeah, that yeah. that is what happened. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and the dress would be swooping off people's heads. Ah, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then swing back out and catch the thing and chat for a minute and ah, then off again. <laughs> oh, pure lunacy. I wouldn't do it now. I wouldn't be able to do it now. God uh. bless us. But it was so dangerous. <laughs> Such a bit of crack. (laughs) (laughs) So 41 Panthers, Brian. uh, This would this would be 42 this year. Yes. Um, You've only missed two over the over the years. Is that right? Yes. Two I wasn't involved in. 82. The first one in the Hawkswell. Right. Um, I had a son who had a serious car accident. He was knocked down, and he was in Dunleary. If he was only four at the time, he was in Dunleary for four months. So I was in Dunleary with him. Yeah. It was 1982. The same year the SNEA closed and was made redundant. So right. it suited me to be with them in Dublin. Right, yeah. So I wasn't involved at all that year. Okay. And then in 2009, Catherine, my wife, died that year. So yeah. I wasn't involved. She was very heavily involved oh, all yeah. the years prior to that. And she had been the chairperson and had been director producing the show the previous year. So so missed yeah, 82 and, and 2009. And 2009. Yes. I remember when you came back. It was it was it was just brilliant to see you back on the stage. In fairness, Mickey Murray came in he did a great that job. year in yes, 09 and yes, he did a great yes. job and didn't yeah, yeah. didn't try and do what you did. He did yes, it very no, much his own very thing. much in he his own way. Job, yeah. He did a great job. Well, but Mickey is class. He is, absolutely, yeah. yeah but class. but then um yes. it was it was just great to see you back. Yeah, it was great to get back. Yeah. It was lovely to get back. The old was, woman who lives in the shoe, is that that one? Yes, I think that's right. In yes. twenty ten, yeah. Yes. Um Yes. Brian, it's been it's been it's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you very um, much, Karen. Absolutely, we, we really yeah. enjoyed that chat. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyed the chat. Yeah, yeah. we've w- we've one more piece. We've a piece, uh, a solo oh, yes. piece of your own. Um, oh, that again, I've heard many times, but mm-hmm. uh, we're 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 gonna we're gonna perform it here today. Do you want to do you want to tell us a bit about the history of it? Because there's a link to, oh, yeah. there to Luke. Indeed. Is that Actually, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Actually, Luke's dad. Luke's granddad is wee Paddy, as we call him. Yeah. And not that he's wee sort of tall, but my father was big Paddy and he's only they're about the same size. Right. Just had, to, had d- to have a way to tell him apart. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. But anyway, Luke's grandfather is, is wee Paddy. Paddy. His great-grandfather was Mick Jack and his great-great-grandfather was Tom Jack. And Tom Jack was involved with two other guys, uh, one from Ballastadere, who uh, composed this uh, over a couple of nights in, in uh, O'Rourke's pub in Ballastadere. That's what I'm led to believe, anyway. That's I the story. By reliable indeed, yeah. He was involved. He was yeah. involved in the right putting together of this poem. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I believe that. It's 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 to do with the reputation of the guys in Balladier, yeah. and the guys in Colony uh, were just coming a close second to them, and the fellas in Clara weren't too far away from them either. Very but good. they were fond of their pints. Yeah, you know yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and but it's called the Cannon's Dream. Well, in your in your own time, there, Brian. I hope I remember it. Now. Yeah, yeah. God bless us. Ah, the Cannon's Dream. A dreadful dream my friend would tell. I dreamt I died and woke in hell. 
And there upon the topmost landing, some prime Caluni boys were standing. Gazing round, I wondered where dwelt the bucks from Balisadere. Musing thus, I scanned each face, and from within that dreadful place, prisoners of every nationality, therein confined for their rascality. My quest was vain, they were not there, the rowdy rakes from Balisadere. Descending then the winding stair, through sulphur fumes and horrid glare, I searched around the lower story, mid grinning fins and sinners hoary. I saw some sparks from Drumahair, not one as yet from Balisadere. A batch of captives lately arrested, with squire old Nick had the place congested. With proprietary air forthwith drove in, with clanking chains and doleful din. They came from Swintford and at clear, not one as yet, from Balisadere. O oh, Nick, quoth I, and every hand, I see your spoils from earth's fair land. No doubt they well deserve your fate, poor, wretched, sad, and desolate. But might I ask you, is it fair to quite pass over Balisadere? For it all the worst of reputations, for loafing, poaching, and potations, had it by chance escaped your toils, while vain sins my fires as coils, and belching others dost thou spear the blustering blades from Balisadere. Ha ha, caught Nick with sinister mirth, there's not a place on all the earth exempt from my bold operations, resist who will my machinations. I take your lore still in there, you see the box from, from Balisadere. Traversing hot and lurid tunnels, past myriad smoke and belching funnels, he showed me chain gangs grim and sad, arriving there from M. Lefad, from Screen, Dromaird, and everywhere, except elusive Balisadere. Still down we went to lower regions, encompassed by perspiring legions, from Streja, Kilvernet, and Kilorden, as well as Sligo and Bundorn. God faces war, a look of worry. Contingents there from Tubra Curry. <laughs> At length we reached the dungeon rude in Limbo's lowest attitude, and there I saw with apprehension a saucepan grim of vast dimension, upon a roaring furnace boiling, while stalking imps around were toiling. With conscious pride, O oh, Nick drew near, a huge utensil from the rear. I peeped at horror o'er his shoulder, despite the heat, my blood ran colder. He raised the lid and said in there, I boiled the boys from Balisadere. In vain by times I tried permission, but such a state of saturation was theirs, which Bass and Guinness drenched. My fiercest fires they always quenched, and so I boiled the boys in there, who sowed wild oats around Balisadere. A as a cordial gale, the Irish hospital sweeps checks bid you good night, farewell. Whether you be on land, I'll see you in the air. And she smiled as she chewed a banana. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> There's another little bit on the end of that, but I couldn't put it into it. <laughs> All right. Do it for us. We won't broadcast no, no, it. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's brilliant, that's Brian. fantastic. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Have you not? No. Yeah. Right. Right. It's some piece. It is. Some it writing is. went some into writing that. Some writing went into it, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yes, it yeah. was, surely. The average... Uh, the average punter out for his pint then had a good bit more um, articulation back when that was written. Yeah, than, I'm telling you, hadn't they? Today. Yeah, they had immense language yes, in that. Incredible stuff, yeah. Very well put together. And the names, the names, 
place names are well incorporated into it. Brilliant, yeah, yeah. the rhymes. There's a lovely piece of writing, yeah. fair play, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Brian, look, yeah. it's, been, it's been a real pleasure well, having you. you. I think we all really enjoyed that chat and, and sure. the pieces sure. and, 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 and the stories and the whole lot. And look, fingers crossed, uh, Panto will be back with a bang in yeah, 2021. Well, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, yes. uh, we'll, we'll miss a big time this year. Now. Yeah, yeah, yes, but we'll, yes, we'll, yes. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back with a bang next year. Hopefully. And look, thanks very much for coming in. Brian Devaney. Cheers, Brian. Thanks, lads. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, Luke, your great, great grandfather, Tom Jack, had a role in writing <laughs> The Boys of Balisadere. I mean, now we know where Telescope, where the talent behind Telescope Love came from. You know, that, that the ability with words. They're, I mean, the words <laughs> in that song are unbelievable, aren't they? Or that, that recitation. Well, that was an education for me when, when Brian said that, because I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I never knew that. Um, there you go. I, I would I'd say that's probably a surprise to, to the majority of my family, to be honest. <laughs> I have heard I have heard, I mean, a few other um people be be credited with the writing of this song. I'm not sure it's it's fully uh, accepted who wrote the song, but uh you should stake your claim there, Luke, anyway. I mean, if you got royalties out of this podcast, I was I'm going sure. to say, I wonder are there <laughs> yeah. any latent royalties to be found now and that or anything <laughs> like that. Oh, uh, some, it's some, some performance. It's been a tough year, like, so every little helps if I could squeeze a bit out of it. Like, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love, I love, like, just listen, I was listening back to the podcast there just before we came on, just for the crack. Uh, Brian is, he's such a good crack, but you can totally see that me and Luke are musical heads. Because as soon as we started talking about, like, I can't remember what specific part it is, but Luke starts talking about lines of dialogue and how does he get himself into a position where he can ad lib and remember people's names and does he cheat? And at the same time, I'm coming in on top of him saying, yeah, look, I did a thing with ad libbing before. So as soon as that, you can tell there's three musical stage heads there dying to ask each other for tips you know yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. don't leave me out lads I mean I I, I, I played a Bowron player in Sive once so I can't believe you're leaving me out of that Rory you have yeah. been so vocal I just, Karen. I didn't think I didn't think that you'd want to be included in that because you, you wouldn't be the biggest oh, fan well, of that musical but really, it's not just musicals it's, I mean the drama drama family goes a lot further than, than musicals <laughs> surely you know I feel a part of that drama family and you're denying me this you know you know I, I I was Cartelon, gave it me mighty best. <laughs> is that best. your own, is that your only role, Karen? That is my only role uh, as an adult. Yeah, I did a few school plays. Yeah, Karen. Yeah, is there any yeah. video footage of you playing the Bowron with the Clara Drama Society? There's definitely photos. I'm not sure is there video footage. The uh, um, well out there. Uh, anyone listening to the podcast, if you have any photos of Karen. Uh, in his debut adult role with the Calera Dramatic Society uh, on his stage performance, could you please, please, please send them in to the Facebook page or the Instagram page or whatever, and I'll I'll make sure the world sees them. Yeah, don't no, it was not. There's no need. Just don't. Uh, you don't need to send them to us privately. Just post them up on our Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> Just bypass the whole lot because that's where they're going. We post them directly to our public Facebook page. Yeah, cut out the middleman. You're dead right. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We have enough yeah. work to be at. I don't. You know. Use the hashtag Lamplight Pod and uh, tag us on Facebook. We'll definitely see it all. Lads, you can try. You try. 
tried last week. You tried last week to get uh, to get some some uh, cheap shots in on me on the football pitch, and and no one no one emailed in. I don't think. No, unless we didn't I missed anything. No, we so, didn't. Uh, you, you can keep trying, lads. Uh, well, we will I, keep trying. You know, some I admire that. I admire that in you. I must say. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know. We're going back to Brian. Like, uh, what I love is just his all-in nature. Like, okay, so he's obviously one of the main men in the shows. He's swinging in from a balcony. He's on a donkey. He's a, he's w- with a chainsaw. He's fitting the toilets. He's like driving the <laughs> truck. He's building the set. Like he he's doing everything, you know. He's labeling yeah. the pieces of the set to go over on, on the airplane to Chicago. Yeah. He's just all in. And, and I mean, any... Not just drama society, but any any club or you know any any organization needs people like that, you know. And I th- it's it just it made me think of Neve Crowley, one of her earlier guests, and you know how she spoke about the variety of work that you get to do in Sligo. That you're not just typecast into one role. That she would have been in London, she would have been in, a, in an orchestra, or she would have been in Broadway, or she w- or sorry, the West End, or she would have been a session musician. Whereas here, she gets to do all that. You know, and, and it reminded me of Brian that that like you know he it, you know in in Calera Dramatic Society he is all these things a carpenter a stunt artist a singer an actor a driver <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly because he can yeah. see the bigger picture though and that's what that is you can see the bigger picture and go I can see the whole show not just my part in the show. I'm not just going to rock up and do my part and kind of look for the pat on the back and look for people to say, oh, well done, you were amazing. And, you know, because you'll get that. If you Mm. you do a good performance, you'll get that. But to understand the bigger picture and how you come across stronger and your whole company comes across stronger and everybody comes out looking better if the show is as good as that can be, even if that means digging a a septic tank out the back of the Mercy College in Sligo. He's like the exact opposite of, you know, people are like, that's not my job. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, no, that is my job. Actually, yeah. everything to do with this production is my job. And if no one's there to do it, I'll do yeah. it. Yeah. It's like, well, that wasn't my job. But, but it is now. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Very good. Oh, very good. Well, look, um, to anyone out there who's missing the panto this December, like I am, uh, and like lots of people around Sligo are, we hope that went uh, some way to uh, to writing that. Um, as we said at the end, hopefully the panto's back bigger and better in 2021. Thanks to everybody for listening. Um, thank you, Luke. Thank you, Rory. Cheers, lads. Oh, cheers. We have uh, one episode left. Um, there is talk of some sort of a Christmas special, but, just, but it's just talk at the moment, so we won't uh, announce anything. We, but we will. We do episode eight of season one, and um, with a very special guest coming up uh, next week, uh, and then we're going to have to start thinking about season two, lads. Absolutely. Or, or are we leaving it at one? Oh, I think we better go for another one. What do you reckon? Ah, it'd be a shame <laughs> to put it to bed now. We might try it. We might try it. We might try it. Anyway, thank you, everybody. See you next time. See you later. Bye.